All right, so back in the day, we would talk to 20 people and land one. Because remember, they said, talk to anything that moves, <laughs> talk to anyone who can fog a mirror. And so we thought, all right, we'll try that. What do we know? Nothing about this. But what happened is we would then end up with 19 out of 20 would be rejections. And I, for one, didn't like that. I thought that in one yes, that's what we would get. Talk to 20 people and end up 19 people who were not the right ones, and then one yes. And I thought that that is really dumb. But they told me, well, Kim, it's a numbers game, right? And it's like, okay, it's a numbers game, but 19 out of 20? And we thought this is, I have always thought this is a ridiculous thing, these numbers. And it, you know, I came from the real estate business and we were very targeted. We found buyers, we love to represent the opposite side. So we got buyers who had good bank statements. So when we rolled in, we could take any deal, boom, and always beat everybody because we had the best quality buyers. That is, they were able to get the most financing. They were able to make a move like right then. They could write the offer that day. They could close within 30 days and they didn't have a mile long of contingencies. And that is how we did business. So owners loved it when we came up because we were quick and fast and everybody was qualified. Why? Because we qualified everybody before we ever took them anywhere. <laughs> we learned that the hard way also. But once you learn, you do it the right way. You get people that are nothing but the finest qualified ones and you only need one or two. You know, it takes just one buyer to make a giant real estate transaction or a small one, <laughs> just like here. So we thought it was ridiculous and we figured, okay, we, we are not that stupid, so we're gonna do something like what we do in our real estate business. So what we did is we took the last, I don't know, 40, 50 people that we had talked to and we said, okay, so who are the yeses and who are the noes? Who are these people? And again, you know, if you wanna see this in more detail, so go to the claverclass.com, K-L-A-V-E-R-C-L-A-S-S.com, and you'll see a demo there, a little bit more information, okay? So who are the yeses and who are the noes? And we found a very interesting pattern, and it hasn't changed, by the way. The pattern is, patterns are patterns. You will discover when you look at the people who say yes and you look at the people who say no, there are definite characteristics to both. You just, that's how it is, no matter what you're marketing. <laughs> you know, whether it's toothpaste, Range Rovers, homes, a, a network marketing opportunity does, makes no difference. The criteria are different, but you find out who are the yeses, kind of get their DNA, and who are the noes, get that DNA, so that you know how to target properly, right, and who to ask for. So are there lots of noes of the same kind? For example, one type of no is that they're not interested in the solution being offered. So for example, the people who have no interest in weight loss. So we weren't marketing weight loss at that time, but if you were marketing weight loss, somebody would say, I don't care about weight loss. Okay, oh, great. Or they don't have any interest in an extra income type of opportunity. Many people do not have an interest in this. You may think they all do, but they do not. The smarter ones who say no, say no, not because they don't want more extra income theoretically, but because they know they don't have the time to build a business or they don't have a time for the they don't have time for a second job or they just don't want a second job they want to be home with their kids they have other priorities so that's what you need to be aware of and you know that when you start interviewing folks like this it's not that they don't see the vision they see the vision perfectly well and choose to do something different with their time 
That's what you realize when you talk to people, you know. <laughs> Not people in your meetings, but the people that are out in the world that you're, that you're connecting with. Or there are some people who say they don't have an interest in their own business for whatever reason. One of them probably is that the work is a lot harder than you might think that it is. To build something that gets you significant income takes a lot of hours of work. You really have to get good at it. You have to practice it. You have to get over the lumps. And you really throw your whole self into it. No one who ever achieved anything did it part-time. Steve Jobs was obsessed. The Google founders are obsessed. Elon Musk is obsessed. Pete, Jeff Bezos, they've been, they're just obsessed. You don't do this two or three hours a day and hope you're going to change the world, <laughs> you know? Once in a while you might win the lottery, but you don't want to go in expecting it. You know, you have to figure you might not win it, so <laughs> you better work as if you're not going to win it. So that's one type of no. They don't care about the area. And in my case, I had people who said they didn't care about the, the water. They, they said, I don't really mind. I'll drink the caca out of the faucet. It's, if the city says it's good enough, it's good enough for me. They're like, okay, great. Right? The other type of no or yes is, yes, they're interested in, like, clean water. They're interested in losing weight. They're interested in, in healthier lifestyle. They're interested in fixing their face or their hair. But this option that we happen to have isn't the one they wanted. See? So those are the two big things we discovered. And specifically for product types, for somebody who says, well, you know, I might have an interest in skincare or in clean water or in whatever uh, you're offering, hair, you know, solutions for your hair or um, how to get your health and your weight back and your energy back, whatever it is, they would say it's too expensive. That was one option. Another person would say, oh, I don't want to do MLM. Or somebody else would say, well, I don't want to do it now. Now's not good timing. <laughs> or I don't like shakes. All these stories and all their little excuses. And pretty soon you see that there is a pattern. And what we learned is the same thing we learned in real estate about our buyer prospects. You know, we sold commercial properties and did leasing, uh, commercial leases, you know, for these big floors, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 square feet. And those, those were great deals because you made so much money on them. You know, each one was like 80, 100 grand <laughs> for a single deal, single lease, because they were, like with McDonald's, they were 30 to 50 years. So when you're studying who's yes and who's no and what's likely to work, before once you learn this, then you start finding the right players so that you don't need very many of them to make a deal because you know what the values are. So we learned about the values of people who said no and the values of people who said yes. They're equally important. You need to know both. You know, we often market with people's objections first. First, that's why I like to know why people say no. Because if somebody says, for example, oh, it's too expensive, then we know to say, this is really upper end. This is for people, for skincare, for people who buy Elizabeth Arden, who have facials, who go to the Golden Door. People who do these high-end things because they really value their skin and they spend a lot of money on it. Without another word, the listener knows that, oh, this is like a high-end spa quality type thing. It's not for me, but Lulu might know it. And you've basically <laughs> taken care of a whole big qualification area by just describing who the types of buyers are that it's for, right? But that you don't even have to give the price, although you can, right? So we figured out these common p patterns and issues that people had of the people who said yes and the people who said no. This was with a water company, and we've done it with every... I've built five of these now to the top over the last 20, 28 years, three of them in the past five, 
uh, three different companies all on Facebook using what I'm going to show you right here. So we created ordered questions and value statements, which we call the, an interview sheet, kind of like a crib sheet, you know. And we would ask those questions first. There were usually five to seven before we ever said anything to the person about the business okay, or the product. You can do either one. At the time that we were creating these, we were selling the water filter distributorship business. Okay? So we would ask those first. Say, we got something for you, but let me ask you a couple things. One, two, three, four, and then we'd ask, right? <laughs> and most of the time, the business conversation was not necessary because we either said no first or they basically deselected themselves. And we have learned how to do this so we get a real nice smile from somebody when they know it's not the right thing for them. There are never any hard feelings. So people will say something like, you know, I'm broke as a joke. Well, you want somebody like that? If they're broke as a joke, there's a reason for it. And they probably need to fix some other things in their life before they can, certainly before we work with them. <laughs> but what can you do, right? How are they going to buy anything if, they don't, if they're broke as a joke? That's what they say. Or somebody will say, oh, I can't commit. Is that who you want? You want somebody like that? Who says, no, I really can't commit? Most of them would, would deselect. We'd say, well, you know, it's probably not the right thing for you. We'd say no first. Or they'd say, hmm, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm broke as a joke. I don't have any money. And, you know, I, I live with my parents in their car or in their garage or wherever they live, right? So we'd end up out of a list of 20 to 30 with four people who passed those initial questions and then we would interview only them. That is to say, we would ask them and make the presentation only to them. We would talk to 20 people and land one. Because remember, they said, talk to anything that moves, <laughs> talk to anyone who can fog a mirror. And so we thought, all right, we'll try that. What do we know? Nothing about this. But what happened is we would then end up with 19 out of 20 would be rejections. And I, for one, didn't like that. I thought that, and one yes, that's what we would get. Talk to 20 people and end up 19 people who were not the right ones, and then one yes. And I thought that that is really dumb. But they told me, well, Kim, it's a numbers game, right? And it's like, okay, it's a numbers game, but 19 out of 20? And we thought this is, I have always thought this is a ridiculous thing, these numbers. And... It, you know, I came from the real estate business, and we were very targeted. We found buyers. We love to represent the opposite side. So we got buyers who had good bank statements. So when we rolled in, we could take any deal, boom, and always beat everybody because we had the best quality buyers. That is, they were able to get the most financing. They were able to make a move like right then. They could write the offer that day. They could close within 30 days, and they didn't have a mile long of contingencies. And that is how we did business. So owners loved it when we came up because we were quick and fast and everybody was qualified. Why? Because we qualified everybody before we ever took them anywhere. <laughs> we learned that the hard way also. But once you learn, you do it the right way. You get people that are nothing but the finest qualified ones and you only need one or two. You know, it takes just one buyer to make a giant real estate transaction or a small one, <laughs> just like here. So we thought it was ridiculous, and we figured, okay, we, we are not that stupid, so we're going to do something like what we do in our real estate business. So what we did is we took the last, I don't know, 40, 50 people that we had talked to, and we said, okay, so who are the yeses and who are the noes? Who are these people? 
And again, you know, if you want to see this in more detail, so go to the claverclass.com, K-L-A-V-E-R-C-L-A-S-S.com, and you'll see a demo there, a little bit more information, okay? So who are the yeses and who are the noes? And we found a very interesting pattern, and it hasn't changed, by the way. The pattern is, patterns are patterns. You will discover when you look at the people who say yes and you look at the people who say no, there are definite characteristics to both. You just, that's how it is, no matter what you're marketing. <laughs> you know, whether it's toothpaste, Range Rovers, homes, a, a network marketing opportunity does, makes no difference. The criteria are different, but you find out who are the yeses, kind of get their DNA, and who are the noes, get that DNA, so that you know how to target properly, right, and who to ask for. So are there lots of noes of the same kind? For example, one type of no is that they're not interested in the solution being offered. So for example, the people who have no interest in weight loss. So we weren't marketing weight loss at that time, but if you were marketing weight loss, somebody would say, I don't care about weight loss. Okay, oh, great. Or they don't have any interest in an extra income type of opportunity. Many people do not have an interest in this. You may think they all do, but they do not. The smarter ones who say no, say no, not because they don't want more extra income theoretically, but because they know they don't have the time to build a business or they don't have a time for the they don't have time for a second job or they just don't want a second job they want to be home with their kids they have other priorities so that's what you need to be aware of and you know that when you start interviewing folks like this it's not that they don't see the vision they see the vision perfectly well and choose to do something different with their time that's what you realize when you talk to people you know <laughs> not people in your meetings the, the people that are out in the world that you're that you're connecting with or there are some people who say they don't have an interest in their own business for whatever reason. One of them probably is that the work is a lot harder than you might think that it is. To build something that gets you significant income takes a lot of hours of work. You really have to get good at it. You have to practice it. You have to get over the lumps. And you really throw your whole self into it. No one who ever achieved anything did it part-time. Steve Jobs was obsessed. The Google founders are obsessed Elon Musk is obsessed, Pete, Jeff Bezos, they've been, they're just obsessed. You don't do this two or three hours a day and hope you're going to change the world, <laughs> you know? Once in a while you might win the lottery, but you don't want to go in expecting it. You know, you have to figure you might not win it, so <laughs> you better work as if you're not going to win it. So that's one type of no. They don't care about the area. And in my case, I had people who said they didn't care about the, the water. They, they said, I don't really mind. I'll drink the caca out of the faucet. It's, if the city says it's good enough, it's good enough for me. They're like, okay, great, right? The other type of no or yes is, yes, they're interested in like clean water. They're interested in losing weight. They're interested in, in healthier lifestyle. They're interested in fixing their face or their hair. But this option that we happen to have isn't the one they wanted, see? So those are the two big things we discovered. And specifically for product types, for somebody who says, well, you know, I might have an interest in skincare or in clean water or in whatever uh, you're offering, hair, you know, solutions for your hair or um, how to get your health and your weight back and your energy back, whatever it is, they would say it's too expensive. That was one option. Another person would say, oh, I don't want to do MLM. Or somebody else would say, well, I don't want to do it now. Now's not good timing. <laughs> or I don't like shakes. All these stories and all their little excuses. And pretty soon you see that there is a pattern. And what we learned 
It's the same thing we learned in real estate about our buyer prospects. You know, we sold commercial properties and did leasing, uh, commercial leases, you know, for these big floors, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 square feet. And those, those were great deals because you made so much money on them. You know, each one was like 80, 100 grand <laughs> for a single deal, single lease, because they were, like with McDonald's, they were 30 to 50 years. So when you're studying who's yes and who's no and what's likely to work, before, once you learn this, then you start finding the right players so that you don't need very many of them to make a deal because you know what the values are. So we learned about the values of people who said no and the values of people who said yes. They're equally important. You need to know both. You know, we often market with people's objections first. First. That's why I like to know why people say no. Because if somebody says, for example, oh, it's too expensive, then we know to say, this is really upper end. This is for people, for skincare, for people who buy Elizabeth Arden, who have facials, who go to the Golden Door. People who do these high-end things because they really value their skin and they spend a lot of money on it. Without another word, the listener knows that, oh, this is like a high-end spa quality type thing. It's not for me, but Lulu might know it. And you've basically <laughs> taken care of a whole big qualification area by just describing who the types of buyers are that it's for, right? Without, you don't even have to give the price, although you can, right? So we figured out these common p patterns and issues that people had of the people who said yes and the people who said no. This was with a water company, and we've done it with every, I've built five of these now to the top over the last 20, 28 years, three of them in the past five, uh, three different companies, all on Facebook, using what I'm going to show you right here. So we created ordered questions and value statements, which we called a, an interview sheet, kind of like a crib sheet, you know? And we would ask those questions first. There were usually five to seven before we ever said anything to the person about the business, okay? Or the product, you can do either one. At the time that we were creating these, we were selling the water filter distributorship business, okay? So we would ask those first. Say, we got something for you, but let me ask you a couple things. One, two, three, four, and then we'd ask, right? <laughs> and most of the time, the business conversation was not necessary because we either said no first or they basically deselected themselves. And we have learned how to do this so we get a real nice smile from somebody when they know it's not the right thing for them. There are never any hard feelings. So people will say something like, you know, I'm broke as a joke. Well, you want somebody like that? If they're broke as a joke, there's a reason for it. And they probably need to fix some other things in their life before they can, certainly before we work with them. <laughs> but what can you do, right? How are they going to buy anything if they don't, if they're broke as a joke? That's what they say. Or somebody will say, oh, I can't commit. Is that who you want? You want somebody like that? Who says, no, I really can't commit? So we looked for people who wanted the change that we were looking for first. Remember? We talked about the type of, who want to lose weight want to drink better water now that they find out what's coming out of the faucet, right? Who want to make the change that we're, we're change agents. All of us in business, if your thing is any good, it offers to change somebody's life. They go from A to B. So you were fat, now you're skinny. You were skinny, now you're fat. You were poor, now you're rich, right? They're all change agents and they usually take time. And since a lot of the, our industry deals in supplements, it usually takes 60 to 90 days, sometimes more, to see any change because the supplements are so small compared to all the food and drink people take in. Do you know what I mean? So you want people who want the change and 
I should add here, uh, who want not only the change, but who are agreeable to the option that you happen to have. Remember for weight loss, for example, and they're all the same, whether it's weight loss, fix your skin from sun damage or fix your skin from you've got jowls or whatever, there are literally dozens and dozens of products and programs and processes that a person can choose. You go to Amazon, you go to eBay, you go to Google, you Google, you know, how to get rid of my jowls without, I don't know, without surgery. And you'll probably find a million listings or 500,000 possibilities. So don't think you're the only one out there. So number one, we wanted people who wanted the change that we had to offer, like from caca water to filtered water, anytime, anyplace, anywhere, right? And they wanted to use a filter on a faucet or under a sink versus some other thing that they might have done, right? So you, you're looking for the type of change and the option that you have because people today have hundreds of options for any fix. You may think that you've got the best uh, skincare or weight loss or whatever you're marketing, and maybe you do, but the rest of the world doesn't think that. And they have many options. Today, somebody can Google while you're talking. You might be talking to somebody in Kenya about your weight loss program, and they're Googling in Kenya, standing on the corner someplace, and see 200 options that have what they think look like similar ingredients for half the money. What are you going to do, right? So you better have something to offer besides just the product, but that's for another day. All right, so five years ago, we automated that whole interview process in the Claver class there shows you how to do that, claverclass.com, shows you what we, what we did there exactly. But we automated this whole question asking and value statements sequence. We created sort of a little ritual. And so what happened is instead of presenting to any old 20 or 100 people, because we, believe me, we worked leads in those days, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And we would often, you know, in an hour, I, could, I would train people and show them, okay, we're going to call 40 people in an hour. And I'd have 20, 30 of my people on. I would do the calls. Everybody would hear everything. They'd mute themselves out. And we'd always score and get somebody. So every hour, I'd sign somebody up. And before we learned how to do this, we would talk to all 40 of them, the whole spiel, right? But now what we do, I mean, and when we learned after about a month of doing this, we asked them those questions first, see? So we didn't do the whole presentation to any, any just anybody including hundreds and hundreds of leads, no matter what they said the leads were. <laughs> we discovered the leads are not the way they're quite presented to be, you know. So instead of talking to anybody and all of them, they all would answer some fun questions first, see. You'd say, okay, we got a couple questions for you before we tell you what this is. <laughs> Can we ask you, are you all right with that? And they'd go, yep, yep, what are they? And then at the end, most of them would, would deselect. We'd say, well, you know, it's probably not the right thing for you. We'd say no first. Or they'd say, hmm. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm broke as a joke, I don't have any money, and, you know, I, I live with my parents in their car or in their garage or wherever they live, right? So we'd end up, out of a list of 20 to 30, with four people who passed those initial questions, and then we would interview only them. That is to say, we would ask them and make the presentation only to them. And when we automated this into a little online, here, here here's the link. <laughs> Why don't you answer these questions, and we'll see if we can help you. You good with that? And people say 9 out of 10 people say yes, they're great with it. Some people say no, and so we don't talk to them at all about it. Because my philosophy is if you don't want to answer some questions to see if we can help you, you probably don't want help right now, and that's fine. See you later. Bye. Remember, life is short. 
Yes, I probably could persuade somebody in an hour. Anyone who's any good at sales can sit down with somebody and in 60 minutes get $5,000 out of them. Any, we all know this. But I learned that those were not good clients, not good customers. Just because we can make them say yes doesn't mean that they will stay the course. So we really have, you know, we changed that from making them say, I want this, I'll do this, I'll do, I'll, we have a whole series of loops and hoops that we put up before we let somebody sign up with us. And they say, yes, I'll do that. Oh, and then I'll say, warning, this, warning, that. It's like, well, we'll do it, we'll do it. Any of you have signed up with any of my businesses, uh, you know this. This is what we do. So what happens by the time we're done, we have one or two of the four that sign up. One usually if you're just getting started, and if you're getting good and you've done over 100 of these interviews, you probably get two of them. And if you're really good, you get three. We did. Okay, so, and the reason is they're pre-screened for the values that we know the yeses and the noes have for the product type or service type or the business that we're offering. That is the big difference here in terms of spending your, wasting your time or not wasting your time and feeling rejected or not rejected. Okay, and again, you can check out the Claver class there, K-L-A-V-E-R-C-L-A-S-S dot com and see more information right there. All right, so what is an example of a qualifying question? 